Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Joshua Oliver from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Establishment law firms in New York and London have hardly changed their approach to setting lawyers' pay in more than 100 years. But recently, upstart firms have challenged that system by poaching top performers from big-name firms with enormous performance-based pay packages. James Fontanella-Khan, Sujit Indap, and Barney Thompson report on how some lawyers are ending up with salaries that rival top bankers and sports stars. Their story is read by James. Scott Bachet had just closed out the finest year of his career. The acclaimed corporate lawyer had advised on roughly $300 billion worth of transactions in 2015. Most notably, AB InBev's $103 billion takeover of rival brewer S.A.B. Miller. In the process, he generated about $100 million in fees for his firm Cravath, Swain & Moore, which ranks among the most prestigious in America. Just four months later, he quit, frustrated with Cravath's age-old system of paying its partners according to longevity and seniority versus sheer output, Mr. Bechet left the only firm he had ever worked at to move to a New York rival. Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton and Garrison agreed to pay him more than $10 million a year, a package worthy of his thick book of business, which includes blue-chip names such as Qualcomm and Kraft Heinz, in the hopes he could turbocharge its deal-making practice. The decision shook the legal industry. Becoming a partner at a firm like Cravath, with access to the global corridors of power, from business to politics, is considered to be the pinnacle of the legal industry. The so-called white shoe firm tried to downplay Mr. Bachet's move, arguing that its culture and history could weather a one-off departure. But it has turned out not to be an isolated incident. In the past year, two more partners, both younger than Mr. Bachet, have left for Kirkland & Nellis, another rival with an aggressive strategy to lure top lawyers with big sums. Lawyers are hardly poorly paid at Cravath. First-year juniors reportedly start at $180,000 a year, while the equity partners earn an average of about $4 million a year, depending on the business flow. But a group of firms is determined to use remuneration as a means to secure the services of superstar lawyers to disrupt rivals who have dominated the industry, in some cases for centuries. The behavior has created a dynamic where top lawyers are now able to command the kind of annual salaries associated with leading investment bankers, hedge fund managers, and even top athletes. The defections threaten the cradle-to-grave culture at venerable firms such as Cravath and its peers in the US, as well as firms like Slaughter & May in Britain. Behind each of these is a payment system known as the lockstep. The system is intended to guarantee collegiality among partners. For instance, if a takeover specialist has a client who is looking for a lawyer to deal with an antitrust issue, 
that partner is more likely to recommend a colleague who is better versed in the subject if his or her profits will not be affected. The antithesis of this approach is a model evocatively branded Eat What You Kill. After sharing certain costs, partners keep most or all of what they have generated themselves. In between the two is the modified lockstep. Profits are shared partly according to seniority, but with some way of rewarding partners who are the best performers and the most valuable to the firm, both financially and reputationally. It's becoming more and more difficult to retain star talent in a purely lockstep model, says Brad Karp, chairman of Paul Weiss, which has a modified lockstep. You're seeing sums that rival sports-free agents' compensation arrangements being offered to star partners at corporate law firms, he adds. And if lawyers work in a system where older partners make three times as much simply by virtue of having been there longer, why would they not head to a firm that appreciates their talents? This is more than an arcane question of how lawyers get paid. Cravath is a small firm by today's standards, but it is still an elite one whose status has been predicated on skill in complex, high-stakes takeovers and trials. Across the world, firms are trying to figure out how to survive. Go global, stay local, be boutique. It is an intensifying battle to see which will be left standing in a mature, low-growth market. The origins of lockstep compensation, which several elite law firms have adopted at one time or the other over the past two centuries, stem from the Cravath system created by Paul Cravath, who in 1883 represented George Westinghouse against Thomas Edison over the patent for the light bulb. Every summer, a large group of top law students is hired to support Cravath's senior partners. Fewer than 10% will make the partnership, perhaps after eight or nine years. Working up to 100 hours a week, the junior lawyers rotate across groups and projects to maximize knowledge and versatility. Clients belong not to any particular lawyer, but to the firm as a whole. For those who stay the course to become Cravath partners, it is a lifetime career that comes with a guaranteed annual salary of several million dollars. Underscoring the lifetime part are traditions such as the Cravath Walk, Every partner is entitled to a procession of past and present partners at their funeral, after which the assembled lawyers chant, the partner is dead, the firm lives. In its 200-year history, Cravath has almost never made lateral hires from rival firms. And while some partners would leave for government to become bankers or a general counsel in a Fortune 500 company, it was until recently practically inconceivable for anyone to voluntarily depart for another law firm. In a statement, Cravath said that its system is designed to develop talent organically, ensuring consistently high quality throughout the firm while fostering a collaborative and client-centered culture that enables them to deliver the best advice to clients. They added, We remain confident that our model is the right one for our business, our people and the clients we serve. When Mr. Berchet left Cravath in 2016, Many at the law firm argued that losing their top dealmaker was a sacrifice worth making to protect its sacrosanct culture. Mr. Berchet is calm and unflappable, but he's also ultra-competitive. Not everyone at Cravath considered him a team player. Others, however, argued that he was very collaborative. But then, two more partners followed him out the door. Jonathan Davis, 35, in 2016, and Eric Sheely, 43, this year, both of whom were seen as the future pillars of the firm. 
These guys were the next generation of leaders. Their departure is worse than Barshay leaving, says a person close to Faiza Saeed, Kravat's presiding partner. Like another star junior partner, Sarkis Jebeljan, who left Kravat in 2012, Mr. Davis and Mr. Sheely moved to Kirkland, a Chicago-based firm whose historic strength was in litigation. Kenneth Starr, the special prosecutor in the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky case, was a longtime partner there. Kirkland has methodically poached deal lawyer talent in both New York and London by offering rich pay and allowing partners to grow their practice without the constraints of the lockstep pay model. Kirkland's firepower became abundantly clear just before Christmas when David Higgins, a top private equity lawyer at Britain's elite magic circle law firm Freshfields in London, jumped ship for a reported $10 million a year. For a UK lawyer, that is a great deal of money perhaps four times as much as the best-paid equity partner at a top-10 city firm. But what really rankled in that case was that Freshfields had overhauled its lockstep model, allowing top-fee generators to make as much as five times junior partners, specifically for star performers like Mr. Higgins. Yet no sooner was a new system in place than he left. Freshfields could pay Higgins more, but not as much as Kirkland. He escaped the furore, over his affection by disappearing to Bhutan for two weeks. As news spread of higher salaries at Kirkland, Latham, Scadden Arps, White and & Case, and others, the hungrier lawyers in the city firms started to ask whether senior partners were pulling their weight. Younger partners were looking at their older colleagues at the top of the lockstep and questioned how they justified their biggest slice of the equity pie, says Stephen Rodney, chief executive at legal recruiter Fox Rodney Search. U.S. firms were able to attract people by paying them a lot more money. The risk for big spending U.S. firms is they burn through dangerous amounts of cash on lawyers. Steve Cook, senior partner at Slaughter and May, said, History is littered with the corpses of law firms that overspend on lateral hires, so there is always a question of sustainability. He added, it's very hard to hire multiple stars from the outside without damaging the internal ecosystem, if of course the firm has a good one in the first place. Last year, Slaughter and May hired a pension expert from Herbert Smith Freehill. It was the firm's first hire at partner level in 128 years. The ghost at this particular feast is the defunct US firm Dewey and LeBeuf. After several years of rapid expansion, the firm went bankrupt in 2012 torpedoed by lavish contracts for top rainmakers when clients were cutting back on legal work after the 2008 financial crisis. The likes of Cravath, Debevoy, Cleary, Wachtel and Slaughter and May are determined to maintain the lockstep model but recognize it requires conviction. Lockstep is not easy. It's an affirmative choice that requires a shared sense of purpose, said Michael Gekstadzing, the partner leading Cleary. For lockstep to work, you need three things. First, it must be really hard to make partner. Second, partners who are not producing need to go. And third, everyone needs to be making enough money, says an M&A banker who used to work at one of the lockstep firms. Lockstep firms also like to tell horror stories about life at hard-charging, eat-what-you-kill firms, where partners vie with each other for clients. Instead of producing up to 1,800 billable hours of work a year, some are said to demand as much as 2,500 billable hours. Mr. Rodney said, 
There is a perception of pure lockstep that it is a kinder environment, but sometimes there is a huge amount of pressure. You're either in or you're out. In merit-based firms, it is true you can be brought down, but at least you can be brought up again, says Mr. Rodney. There is no doubt that working for the elite London and New York firms still has enormous cachet. According to Jeffrey Lowe, global practice head of the legal recruiter Major Lindsay in Africa, defections may continue, but such prestigious firms will retain their advantage. At a Carvath or a Sullivan and Cromwell, for example, you will always be perceived to be at the top of the food chain. There will always be people at the top of the food chain who could make more money somewhere else. But a lot of people don't measure themselves in dollars. It's about where you went to school, where you summer, what firm you work at. It's all part of a persona. Still, Kavrath understands the world is changing. Multiple sources close to the firm say it is considering having partners rotate among clients so no single attorney owns the relationship. It has also convened a committee to examine its compensation system, launched a social media strategy and made other changes to ensure its appeal to a new generation of young, ambitious lawyers. Thanks for listening to the FT Big Read. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all the usual apps. FT Big Read is produced this week by Joshua Oliver. The inexorable rise of China, the changing nature of work, the future of liberal capitalism, the power of Silicon Valley, the world of artificial intelligence. Join Gideon Rachman, Sarah O'Connor, Martin Wolf, Rana Faruha, and John Thornhill as they explore some of the most significant questions of our age in a new podcast, The FT Big Picture, launching on April the 16th. To listen and subscribe, visit ft.com slash podcasts. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.